Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. It seems like they've got a track record to do that. And in some cases, bridge that makes more sense than to lock yourself into this huge prepayment penalty where you're less nimble years down the road. But if you have the proper caps on that and you mitigate some of the risk that's involved with the bridge debt, then there's a lot of situations right now that it does make sense. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any fluffy stuff with us today. Sam Giordano. How you doing, Sam? I'm doing excellent, Joe. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Well, it's my pleasure and looking forward to our conversation. A little bit about Sam. He's the co-founder of Passive Advantage which is a website designed to help passive investors vet real estate syndication deals. Him and his team have created an LP deal analyzer tool that uses specific metrics and questions that limited partner investors can use when analyzing real estate syndications. I'm very interested in learning more about that during this conversation. He's a limited partner, so he knows from experience how to vet deals and he's in 10 deals right now as a limited partner. And he is a full-time gastroenterologist and he is based in New Jersey. So with that being said, Sam, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yeah, absolutely, Jilla. And I just wanted to take the time to thank you and your team, Theo and Travis, along the last couple of years for helping me sort of edify some of my knowledge points and some of the variables that we use in vetting some of the syndication deals we came across or introduced to those concepts on your shows. So I just wanted to thank you and your team. You put out a quality product and you're sort of one of the leaders in the field. So thank you in advance for that. So my name is Sam Giordano. I'm a physician in New Jersey. My wife is also a physician. I've been practicing about 10 years now. She's been practicing about eight years. Started from humble beginnings. My father only finished eighth grade and wind up joining the police academy and then working for the Department of Treasury. He sort of self-made himself and had several different businesses along the way. My mom only graduated 10th grade in a business school. So I'm the first physician in my family, one of the first few people to graduate college. So I came from humble beginnings in New Jersey, went up through college and met my wife in residency and somehow convinced a California girl to stay here on the East Coast. And we now have 
my beautiful young family. I have a six-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-year-old here in New Jersey that we're doing our best to try to keep the sanity in the house. So basically, when I first graduated from medicine, the first couple of years out, we were doing the traditional personal finance things that we're taught to do in terms of maxing out our retirement accounts, paying off our student loans, contributing to our children's 529 plans. And the several years in started contributing to a post-tax or taxable brokerage account. And I would say once the loans got paid off, we had a little more disposable income, then I started to try to figure out ways that I could improve the tax situation being someone that lives in New Jersey. And in particular, when we lost the ability to state and local income taxes back in 2017, I was like, even if I can't do much about our current tax situation, since both my wife and I are W-2 employees, but I wanted to try to figure out ways to diversify my taxable income. And that's where I kind of came across real estate. You're currently in 10 deals as a limited partner. Most people would passively invest in the deals, but not choose to create a website that helps other passive investors look at deals and let alone have that be a focus of theirs in addition to their full-time job, which I imagine is very demanding. And I'm grateful for you and your wife and what you do and all the other physicians out there. I think you all put up with a lot of stuff from insurance companies and other places and whatever your compensation, in my opinion, you're not compensated enough for everything that you do. I my appreciate buddy, that, Joe. A, Thank he's you. He's a hospitalist. He just got sued for some frivolous thing. And it's just ridiculous, the type of stuff you guys and gals have to go through. But passive yeah, advantage. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate yeah, that. I mean it. Passive advantage. Why create that? And I'd like to get into some specifics about the metrics and questions that passive investors should look for and ask. I appreciate that. So to be honest with you, I didn't intend to form a website and come up with the tool either. I think all physicians in a sense are sort of OCD or have a detailed oriented personality. And as you know, when you get involved in these sort of private placement syndications, generally they have pretty significant minimum outside of sort of the crowdfunding platforms. You could be talking 25,000, 50,000 minimums. So when you get into that type of money, the significance of it, I wanted to be sure that before I jumped into this, I had some education and baseline foundation to where at least I kind of had an idea of what to look at, what to look for. So I spent the whole first year before I wind up jumping into any syndication deals back in the end of 2016, 2017, sort of learning all I could. And that's sort of where your podcast and a couple other podcasts came in. I read your book and other books. I was active on the figure pockets forums and other real estate forums that are geared towards passive investors or limited partners. And I used that first year to come up with an Excel sheet where I was making it for myself, just kind of looking at the metrics that I wanted to look at in a deal. Like, what did I want to see in terms of the sponsor? It's not novel, the main categories that we all look at as passive investors in terms of the sponsor, the market, and the deal. But then within those categories, what are things that kind of I wanted to see? What are some standard ranges? And these can vary from deal to deal and the type of deal. But I just wanted to make sure there wasn't any obvious red flags that I was going to go into my first deal and make an obvious mistake. So that's sort of how it happened. And then when I were sharing that information, either on the forum or with other investors that I personally know that are looking into real estate syndications, I saw that there was a demand for having access to this type of tool. 
And to me, it is really a tool. There are components of it in terms of direct feedback where it sort of changes sales, red, yellow, and green, depending on where those numbers are. But in my opinion, it's really a tool for education so that a limited partner going into the deals and learning about deals at least has an idea of knowing what they don't know or some of the things that may be obvious to kind of pay attention to. And once I saw that demand for this type of thing, that's when I was, I want to make sure that I'm not off base on my metrics. And that's when I look to partner in forming an actual like commercialized product that we have, the LP deal analyzer, and then subsequently forming the website and trying to be able to help limited partners that are learning the process, whether they're early on or further along, maybe avoid some of the mistakes. I don't like to say it's used to tell you which deals to invest in. And that's all personal choice. But it's really just to kind of help people assess risk points in deals and if mm. there's obvious red flags. And that wasn't there for me. And I kind of created it on my own and I didn't realize the demand for it. But then once I did, like, you know, maybe I can affect people at a bigger scale as opposed to just the 700 physicians that work in my hospital that were approaching me. And then I also have a place to refer them to when they come to me and say, how do I learn about this? Then I could just, instead of having to have the same conversation multiple times, I could just have them go to the website, look up some of the resources, some of the books I recommend and some of the tools. So that's sort of how it evolved, but it was by no means intentional, Joe. It was more serendipitous by nature. We'll get back to the show in a few minutes, but first some sponsors I'm confident you'll get some value in learning more about. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at PassiveInvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. PassiveInvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities with private accredited investor funds. They also have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to local fix and flippers across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. With a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and controlling over $250 million in equity, they know how to secure the best deals and how to avoid the red flags. If you are interested in learning more, please reach out directly to PassiveInvesting.com and request the free Passive investor guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. Mark your calendars for the best ever conference, February 24th through 26th, back in person at the Gaylord Rockies Convention Center. Join the experienced community and phenomenal speakers for a weekend of learning the best commercial real estate strategies building relationships, and quite frankly, having a lot of fun. As a bonus, once you purchase your ticket, you are put into a mini mastermind group to start making connections with other commercial real estate investors immediately. You can get 15% off right now with the code BEC15 at besteverconference.com. That's the code BEC15 for 15% off at besteverconference.com. What are some examples of risk points that your analyzer would identify? To me, by far the most important point is related to the sponsor. And there are like objective categories that aren't as amenable to the sponsors. I mean, there are some like in terms of I look at how many full cycle deals a sponsor has. It used to be the main criteria when I first started looking into this was has the sponsor been around prior to 2008 or one of their team members because that was the last recession. Now things over the last couple of years have kind of been turned on its head in terms of the number of sponsors out there and that there's really not a ton of groups that were around prior to 2000. There are some, but a lot of them 
sort of transition into the private space or deal with only family offices and stuff like that. So some of the sponsors that are around now, not a lot of them were around prior to 2008. So full cycle deals, how long have they been around for? How long have they been involved in real estate syndication? Some people say they've been involved in real estate for 10 years, but they may have been an agent or they may have owned their own properties. It's not like direct dealing with syndications and executing plans. What is the succession plan in relation to the sponsors? If God forbid, not to be morbid, but God forbid if something happened to one of the other sponsors, like, would the deal still be able to be executed? So those are some of the general numbers in particular in relation to the sponsor itself or some of the metrics that we look at or that the tool that we use looks at in relation to the sponsor. But I can go into more detail if you'd like me to in some of the other subcategories. Yes, please. Okay. So in terms of the market, and these are sort of readily available data on the internet, there are some more comprehensive sites like CoStar and things like that, that you can pay for to get access to the data. But we look at such things of what markets are in the path of progress. So it's the main hot markets that everyone is looking at these days across the Sun Belt, whether it's Phoenix, some of the Texas markets, Denver, Atlanta, some of the Florida markets. These are areas where jobs are growing, people are moving, there's population growth. So there's hard data that you can look at in terms of what is the population growth to those areas? What is the unemployment rate to those areas? Some of those metrics with working from home have become a little more difficult to analyze because some people are working in places that they don't live in terms of like unemployment and things like that. But whether or not, what's the standard income in those areas or the average income and what is the delta between the average income to what you would have to sort of pay for a mortgage on a home in that area versus what the rent is and whether it's desirable. Because these days, if there's not much delta between buying a home and renting a nice apartment, a lot of people are gonna buy a home. So you wanna look in a market where people, where there's a delta between that. So those are some of the general market metrics that we look at. There are some other ones as well as what is the average rent growth in the area. And some of these things are a little bit tougher to come by, but a lot of the metrics I talked about in relation to the market are readily available on websites like citydata.com or census.gov or things like that, that you can kind of look this stuff up. What about the deal? Yeah. So the deal is where you get a little more objective. So the deal in our analyzer is sort of broken down into the income and rent projections. So what is the rent growth projections is a big one. It was during the heat of COVID, I wanted to see deals that weren't, and a lot weren't, projecting rent growth year one. But obviously now looking back, we realized that that was completely unfounded and the rent growth has been crazy through this market. But just from a safety or risk standpoint, coming back to that general theme, just because of the uncertainty, I kind of wanted to see deals where they were looking at less rent growth, especially year one. I don't like to see any particular year that's projecting over a 5% rent growth. If anything, later on in the deal, I usually like to see that inch up somewhere in the 1% to 3% range. So what the rent growth projections are, what is the break-even occupancy, what is the current vacancy rate versus the projections. And then you also look back, if you can get access to the T12 to see sort of what the comparisons are in terms of both the vacancy rate the expense ratio of the property, how is the sponsor looking at what the expenses will be versus what they were. So these are some of the metrics in relation to the deal, not speaking about the return or the fees or the debt, which are also important, but that's 
in the subcategory of the deal, that's one of the things we look at in terms of what the rent growth is and what the current dynamics are of the property itself. When putting deals through this analyzer, where have been the most red flags when looking at specific opportunities? I think the biggest thing these days, Joe, are in three categories. One is what the entry versus exit cap rate is. And it's difficult right now because the cap rates are so low. So that in order to try to make money in these deals, the delta between the interest rate and the cap rate is getting smaller and smaller. So there are some groups that's not uncommon they project the same entry cap versus exit cap. Now that may be true. And it's the kind of market that's not unheard of for that to happen in, but I just don't like those projections in the deals. So I think these days, I don't have to tell you, but there's so much capital out there that are just chasing yield and it's a tricky time. So the difficulty is that right now, I think people need this kind of deal analyzer more than they need it in a bad market because I think in a bad market, it flushes out some of these sponsors and it sort of shows some of the shortcomings that they may be doing in their projections. Whereas right now, everybody's making money. There's so much capital. Everybody's deals are filling up within a couple of days and it's just a risky time. So this kind of deal analyzer or metric evaluator is important because of the fact that there's just so much capital that sponsors are able to get away with a lot of things that even back to 2017, I'm sure you've seen it evolve as well. I know you invest in deals as limited partners. The metrics I'm looking at now are very different than what they were. Now, things that haven't changed that much, like the fee structure really hasn't changed that much. So I don't see people changing that, maybe like a half a point or something like that, but the basic acquisition fees, asset management fees, things like that haven't changed that much. The return structure hasn't changed a ton. Maybe you see a little bit lighter preferred return now than what you did in the past, but they're very similar. But I think in my opinion, the metrics that are different that you have to really keep an eye on now are some of the exit cap or entry cap, the rent growth projections, the debt evaluation, I think is a huge risk point right now. A lot of people are doing bridge debt, which in a lot of times makes sense these days. There's not a lot of people doing traditional debt like they were a couple of years ago where they're doing like 10 year fixed rate. But you just got to make sure if they do a bridge debt, there's caps, there's ways to kind of mitigate some of the risk of the bridge loan. So I know it's a long winded answer, Joe, but that's kind of some of the big things that I look at these days and the deals that I'm looking at in particular in relation to the multifamily space. I heard two specific things and correct me if there's something else specific. I heard entry versus exit cap and I heard yeah. the type of debt that they have on the property, which might not be a red flag because there's certainly, at least in my opinion, a place for bridge loans versus agency debt. Yeah, then, I agree with what you. What are some other red flags? Sorry if I missed it during your answer. The other one was the rent growth projections. There are some deals right now that are over a 5% rent growth projection year one. Like I said, it's been that way for a year or so. So it's not out of the question that that couldn't happen. But depending on the severity of the value add, Maybe it makes sense in a class A where they're really not doing anything, but if they're doing some value add and you're going to need some vacancy in there to make these improvements, to project that kind of rent growth year one or income growth is difficult to do. So that's the other one, the rent growth projections, entry versus exit cap, and nailing down the specifics in the debt. And I agree with you, Joe. I've invested in two deals this year that are bridge debt. But they make sense with the business plan. Like if they're looking to execute the plan and turn over property 
in a short period of time, and it seems like they've got a track record to do that, then in some cases, bridge that makes more sense than to lock yourself into this huge prepayment penalty where you're less nimble years down the road. But if you have the proper caps on that and you mitigate some of the risk that's involved with the bridge debt, then there's a lot of situations right now that it does make sense. I'm with you. Taking a step back, what's your best real estate investing advice ever for passive investors? I think the best advice ever would be don't be afraid to spend time on your education. When you learn about these syndications, and I know when I first learned about it, I'm like, man, there's got to be a catch. Why didn't I know about this? It seems like some Ponzi scheme or there's something weird going on with it. And your initial inclination is to just invest money and sort of start things up. But I think for passive investors in particular, don't be afraid to take the time, take a step back, educate yourself so that when you do make that move, there's a lot less risk of having a problem down the road. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Absolutely. All right. First, quick word from our best ever partners. How are you doing on your goals this year, whether it's planning for your goals or whether it's executing on those goals? I imagine one of them has to do with financial freedom, taking control of your finances. And I can tell you that is a possibility within the next one to three years using a proven system created by my friend, Michael Blanc. He's got the program Deal Maker Mentoring. Here are some of his students who have been in the program and what they've accomplished. Melanie McDaniel, she closed her first 24-unit joint venture deal and is now pivoting to become full-time in the industry. Within five months of joining, Cheryl Groovy from Atlanta, she had a 34-unit deal under contract, and she partnered with two other deal-maker mentoring students, and together they raised $700,000. And Brian Briscoe, he said thanks to deal-maker mentoring, he had the opportunity to accelerate his timeline and go after much bigger deals than he would have on his own. If you are ready to commit to achieving your dreams this year and you've been thinking about getting into multifamily, well, text the word Joe to 66866. Again, that's the word Joe. You know how to spell my name, right? J-O-E. To 66866. Do it right now while it's fresh on your mind, and let's get you started with your own syndication business. Deals and money. We are constantly seeking deals and money as real estate investors, and I bet you're having a challenge right now, especially with deals, if you're like most real estate investors, because it's tough to find deals right now. But here's the thing. There's a competitive advantage out there that when implemented, it will help you accomplish your objective of getting more deals and or getting more investors. And that is having a great follow-up system. Having a great follow-up is one of the keys to success in real estate. And Follow-Up Boss is the leading CRM for real estate. This is the system you need in place so you can reach out to owners and brokers directly for deals or or you can follow up with your investors, and you do it all in one spot. The CRM makes it 10 times faster to call and text owners, then integrates those into a software so nothing slips through the cracks. The follow-up boss conversion system and powerful management tools help align your methods and drive growth that otherwise it could have been missed and probably would have been missed. Go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever to get a system in place. And if you need help, they got you covered. Follow-up boss offers experts seven days a week, You can pick up the phone and speak to an actual human being anytime during business hours. Visit followupboss.com forward slash best ever to check out how much time you could save by streamlining your follow-up process. Best ever listeners, they're treating you extra special. You get an extended 30-day free trial, twice the length of the normal trial. For a limited time, go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever and perfect your follow-up. 
What deal, if any, have you lost the most amount of money on? Thankfully, Joe, right now I haven't, of the 10 dealers I'm in, I haven't lost any money on those deals. And some of that is probably a, a function of the time. But I think it's been a learning experience. It's not that I lost money. And I know you recently switched to the fund model, but initially I invested in several funds and it's just more difficult to predict when the capital calls are going to be and when the distributions are going to be. So when things are going to start to roll out in terms of the properties, and then you can't really bet the deal at all. So you're really relying completely on the mm -hmm. sponsor, which is not the end of the world. But I think at this juncture of my limited partner investments and things like that, I think right now I'm mostly focusing on single asset deals, but I wouldn't be opposed down the road, say seven to 10 years from now, once I'm at my financial independence number that I would be more likely to invest in fund deals. So it's not that I lost money, but it was just a learning experience in terms of figuring out the difference between the single asset versus the fund model. What's the best ever way you like to give back to the community? So my wife and I have a donor advised fund that we're able to financially support causes that mean the most to us. And then the second way is I like to give back through education, through coming up with the website and the deal analyzer tool, having countless conversations with my physician colleagues via the internet, as well as at my personal hospital that I work at to try to get people involved and to learn more about this type of investing so that they can put themselves on the path to financial independence. How can the best ever listeners learn more about what you're doing? So they can reach me at passiveadvantage.com. There's a free ebook to download to get some more information about some of the metrics that we look at as well as, as access to the deal analyzer tool that we previously mentioned. And if you want to reach me personally, you can reach me at sam at passiveadvantage.com and I'd be happy to help any way I can. What a enlightening and educational conversation, especially for limited partners, but also for general partners to understand how limited partners should be looking at your deals and the lens that they look through to evaluate if it's a good opportunity or not. Thank you so much, Sam, for being on the show, sharing your insight and what research that you've done over the years to get to the spot where you're at now. Much appreciated. Hope you have a best ever day and talk to you again soon. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate it.